Hello and welcome to the Dash Podcast. I'm your host, Trey Gamage, and I have Mr. Phil Brown joining me today of High Five Adventure, an experiential-based SEL program and curriculum they do with outdoor learning. So we're super excited to talk with Phil today and about all the things that they're doing to empower people, build connections, and create change. Before we get started with our conversation, though, I want to point you to TreyGamers.com, where you can find my first book, Every Decision Counts, Eight Lessons I Wish They Taught Me in School. It's a middle, it's a social and emotional learning workbook for middle and high school students, and I'm excited for you to purchase a copy for your student or for your entire classroom. So go visit TreyGamers.com to do that and subscribe to the Dash Podcast so you don't miss out on any episodes that we post every week featuring educators who are solving problems for school communities. And without further ado, Mr. Phil, how are you doing today? I am very good. Thank you so much for having me on. I appreciate yes, the, uh, the invite. I mean, it's uh, how could I not? I mean, it's so exciting looking at High Five Adventure. I mean, you've got high ropes courses, you've got educator yeah. trainings, teacher trainings, certifications. Can you just tell us about High Five and the work that you do? Yeah, so we're, we're a nonprofit education center based out of Brattleboro, Vermont in the Northeast of the US. And we focus on so many different parts. Uh, we do education in the classroom with kids in, in the actual classroom, bringing adventure learning and experiential learning into the classroom. So that's unrelated to even the high components than, or the, even the outside. So there's a lot of principles that we take into the classroom which have been really beneficial and focusing on the, the, the castle core competencies of core competencies of SEL. So we can't, kind of combine those two pieces yeah uh, we also build and uh, train on challenge courses so ropes courses so those for us are a tool uh, there are plenty of places out there you can go and do like zip line tours and aero adventure park stuff that's not us um, mm. we use just the the challenge course and that's the reason why we call it a challenge course as as a, a a place to be able to as a tool to be able to get the most out of people who are going through the process yeah. um, it allows people to be able to stretch themselves in ways that sometimes in the classroom you can't get because it, I, I i tend to say that heights are the great equalizer <laughs> for people you know like you can get the most the headstrong people and you get them up into the trees that's that changes the dynamic and yeah. you get to see people in their yeah. extremes um and then we also do um team development and leadership work with adults. So corporate groups all the way to sports teams. Um, our biggest claim to fame is we work with the NHL, National oh, Hockey wow. League. And uh, we, we work with the Boston Bruins in 2011 when they won the Stanley Cup. Mm. Um, and we've continued that, that relationship with that, that world. So we, we branch across like quite a range. Me, myself, my, my job description is a trainer. Um, and my job is to teach adults how to incorporate some of the learnings that we do into the work they do. So I traveled across the country, mainly in the Northeast, but I do travel the country teaching people at conferences and doing workshops on how to bring adventure and experiential education into the work they do with their youth. And yeah. for me, that's, you know, I get a lot out of that because I get to spread the word almost, you know, rather than specific working. But I'd say, you know, 10, 15, 20% of my work, I do work with youth still. I think mm -hmm. it's important to keep connected to that world. You can't, be a, you can't train adults to do it if you don't do it yourself. So right. I try to 
make sure I also do it. But that, that, that's high five in a grand scheme. We yeah. also produce uh, team development products. So stuff for the classroom outside of the challenge course world. So um, you can see all that stuff on our website. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I appreciate too the fact that it's not just training on site. You know, you don't have to come mm -hmm. to high five and do the adventures to be mm -hmm. able to get the benefit of, you know, it's, hey, here's, here's some of the things that we can do, but here's how you can also take it back to your classroom. What are some of the ways? So with the, yeah. with, with the elements that you have on um, site, what are some of the ways that you're able to help transition that experience to the classroom? So what we do is we've taken some of what are called low elements um, and low elements are nuns, ones where you're not physically attached to a rope and wear a harness and helmet and up in the trees, but you're supporting each other through a process on the ground. Mm -hmm. And that's either a couple of inches off the ground or even just specifically on the ground. And so we do have a whole curriculum of activities that focus on connection then yeah. empowerment and then leadership that combine them. One of the, one of the products for us that's, probably been the biggest is a deck of cards that we produced in 2011 called Ubuntu. Mm. I don't know if Trey, if you're familiar with that, with the, with the term Ubuntu, but it's um, from the Bantu dialects in South Africa. And it essentially translates into human connection and human kindness okay. that I am because we are, and we, we like that phrasing. And so, especially for experiential education, one of the tenets of it is connection before content. So before yeah. anyone tries to teach anything to someone, actually gives them content, we should be focusing on the way that we connect with each other. And I think that, you know, you probably experienced this too, Trey. This is where I find that we're constantly needed in the school environment, where the school traditional uh, way of teaching is focused on these testing outcomes. And we've got to get them good at English, we've got to get them good at math and good at science. But what sometimes the schools unfortunately lack in is the social connection between people. How do we act as human beings? How do we act between each other? And how do we act as a collective and then go out into the real world and do that? So mm -hmm. one of those key things to us is all about connection. So we've got this deck of cards called Ubuntu that um, uses imagery to try to create connection. And we have 32 activities you can do with that sim single deck of cards. And so that is a great way to just throw in adventure principles into your schoolwork, just by grabbing one of those decks of cards. So they've been pretty good for us, but we also try to bring in other props and products that we can bring into the, into the classroom and still involve some of the, the, this mindset of adventure, which mm -hmm. is by taking challenges, putting yourself out there where you're not, you're not comfortable. And that doesn't have to be physical. You know, sometimes that's a case of speaking out, you know, in front, right. in front of your peers and some for that, adventure is key but trying to combine those two together um so we still do a, a, a large chunk of the activity focus in the classroom without the necessity to go out and use those giant big tools yeah. and i think that's where sometimes the challenge course gets misused i think they see it as a you know this is a thrill-seeking event mm -hmm. and for us it's more you know this is part of the development if we've spent a lot of time getting kids to advocate for themselves on the ground where it comes to physical connection and advocating for their voice to be heard and empowering them to make decisions for themselves when we bring it out to the challenge course let's say that's that final tool are they able to advocate for themselves when the group is saying climb higher go higher go higher and that kid clearly doesn't want to are they in that moment prepped to be able to do that we run a workshop called The Struggle is Real. And what we refer mention with that is that 
how are we best prepping participants? How are we best prepping children to be able to go out into the world and be able to advocate for themselves? Because wow. the world is a struggle. Yeah. If we're if we're always creating uh, mindsets where they're always going to quote unquote succeed, then when they go into the world and suddenly fail, how that dramatically affects their ability to be able to cope with that failure. Mm-hmm. So with all of our stuff, um, we have there's a tenant. We didn't create this, but it's in the experiential world um, by a company called Project Adventure, and they created this um, phrasing called "challenge by choice," mm-hmm. and what it essentially means is that we want to empower people to be able to make their own choices about their own level of challenge back in outward bound days and outward bound is an organization where a lot of adventure principles come from where they used to take kids often trouble kids who had been you know probably look like they may be going to jail let's prep them beforehand we're going to take them out into the into the wilderness and shock them you know into this is change that was a little bit more forceful and they used to say that we're pushing people out of their comfort zone yeah our our mindsets have changed around that phrasing now and it's now how are we facilitating their ability as individuals to take themselves out of their comfort zone Mm -hmm. because if i force you into something you're either going to have a possible positive impact, but you may as well have a completely opposite negative impact. Yeah. You know, I had my, my wife, this is a slightly different uh, subject, but my wife um, has a terrible fear of theme parks. So I can't ever get her to go to on a theme park. And it's because her father, her dad, when she went, there's a kid, he would shake him and make her scared of stuff. You know, yeah. what he did in that moment was create a massive negative wow. impact on that experience. She was pushing herself out of her challenge zone or comfort zone and then pushed into panic. Mm. Whereas we're trying to encourage people through the tools we use to step themselves and facilitate their own ability to be able to get themselves out of their comfort zone. Because that is important, but we don't want it to be forceful. And I think sometimes we see that with adventure stuff. I think that people have in their brain that they're going to be like rappelling off a cliff or skydiving or stuff. For us, adventure is more like, how do you challenge yourself? How do you go for an adventurous period in your own life? How do you define adventure and bring it into the work you do? For sure. It's more of an internal kind of grappling growth mindset type of situation. I mean, yeah. that's cool. I, I remember my one of my early jobs in education, I worked for an adventure-based uh, company, nonprofit called Cypress Adventures. And so we did mm. a lot of um, similar things, you know, different challenges. And mm-hmm. I remember that term, challenge by choice. We did a lot of yeah. restorative circles in, in yep. different learnings that really challenged the kids to um, to grow and to learn. I'm, I'm mm-hmm. curious when it comes to schools, you know, you may take a field trip to high five adventure. Mm-hmm. Are you seeing, or are schools implementing this stuff more in their gym practices or is it with um, your structured content as well as your core content as well? Yeah, I would say early on for us as an industry, we've, we've, we've been in org for 20 years and I would say even up into the last five years, mainly when it came to school interaction, it was through physical education. Mm-hmm. And it was mainly because I find that, I think that the physical education departments have an easier way of being able to insert some of our stuff yeah. because it's a little bit more physical minded. Yeah. What we have been doing, however, is we super encourage its integration into all classrooms. Um, And so what we've created is we've got a program called Edge of Leadership. And the Edge of Leadership program is now predominantly working in schools. Um, They book into their programs by coming out to us um, once in the fall and then once later in the spring. 
but then every program from that point on is in the classroom we follow kids from fifth grade all the way up to 12. Mm. Um, so we're following these same kids all the way through and we've start we started five years ago and we've uh, we've got an independent study going on and watching the progression of these kids but what is important for us and what we do is it's not just focused on the students but it's focused on the school as a whole so not only are we working with the kids in the classrooms we're also working with the teachers and the other faculty to get them also in, on board and bought into the program because I think that the problem from an SEL perspective and social emotional learning at the moment is seemingly it's very popular the terminology is popular but we've been doing it for decades yeah. and it you know what we don't want it to be is we don't want it to be another buzzword mm -hmm. we want it to be something that it continues on because we see the viability in the the potential for it and the growth for it and so what we need to do is try to get it built into the mindsets of the of the staff because if we were then to leave and let them go and continue the program on the own they need to be bought in they need to have the energy and they need to understand why they're doing certain things why are they focusing on emotional literacy as an example in this moment right now when they could be focusing on teaching them algebra so there's like they're teachers have a tough thing because they're always trying to balance what is necessary in the moment and what can they contain in their school life that's not going to feel overwhelming so what we're trying to do is work in collaboration with the school and get them on board so we've got teachers for our in our for high five that go into the classroom and run the programming and they do that once every single day different classes different single day um, of the school for about an hour 45 minutes to an hour but the aim is ultimately to pull our staff away from that school and let the school then self-facilitate it. So be able to run that themselves. Yeah. What's fortunate for us is we just got written into the curriculum for Keene, New Hampshire's school district. So we have got written in now. Um, and so it is moving forward. The hope the next few years and you know, what's benefiting currently right now because everything is slowed down and we can't actually access school is that we've had the time to be able to continue the development of this. And the aim is to be able to have this be something that we can roll out and create training models that me as a trainer, I could start teaching others. Yeah. We're still sort of laboratory style, but what we're trying to do is we've, we've, we've been trying to, we know the power of the work we do. And unfortunately there is this mindset because we work in the outside world and adventure and challenge course that you need to have a challenge course where you need to go outside to be able to experience it. And so what we've been trying to do is reframe ourselves to be able to say what we have is very valuable. People still want that the lessons that can be taught in the same modalities. We can just bring it into the classroom instead and create that buy and then allow for schools to be able to replicate it. So that's our aim to try to get it into schools and hopefully in the next you know year or two, we'll have, be able to have studies to prove. One early thing from this independent study is that in the last four years, um, disciplinary action in that school district has gone down 33 oh. percent so that's kids being brought in to, to see the principal or go through detentions has already been reduced by 33 percent so that's a that's a great marker for the work we do and i think that that's a you know social emotional learning because we're sort of pseudo education we haven't really had tons and tons of evidence to say this is why schools need to adopt these principles right so it's nice that we're at least for our stuff on adventure education we're, we're starting to get this study come out and yeah. we'll, we'll aim to publish that soon that's awesome well i mean congratulations on getting to a school district and yeah. all the data that you've been able to collect through your work i think that's you know really special and really important sel is starting to become more of a standard 
and mm-hmm. it is a trend and it's unfortunately it's taken 30 years plus you know yeah to be able to make that happen but i think it's so worth it i, I was talking mm-hmm. to um one of the early adopters of sel and researchers uh maurice j elias he has mm-hmm. um a lot of work that he does with rutgers and i was asking him you know what's the balance between sel and um learning he said sel mm-hmm. is to learning as the alphabet is to reading you can't have oh. without the other and i was like wow yep. that's that's really cool. You know, that, that yeah. makes a lot of sense. Um, you know, and I think the work that you're doing makes a lot of sense uh, as well. Have you heard of asset-based community development? I haven't, no. It, I mean, it's, it's very similar to what mm-hmm. we're talking about here. It's mm. essentially, it's, it's community building, um, yep. similar to what we're talking about at SEL. But it, it basically says when you go into a community, instead of going in and saying, hey, here's what we're going to do to help you, you go mm. in and ask, how do you need help? And yep. you essentially use the talents, the tools, and the resources that exist in that community mm-hmm. to create producers instead of consumers. And yep. so that's the same thing we're doing with SEL. And, and what you're talking about here is you're, you're building teacher capacity, student mm-hmm. capacity, so that they can become the people that are producing these mindsets and life-changing uh, abilities to deal with the struggles of life through. And so there's uh, th- that just that connection of asset-based community development. Yeah. It really, really helps me bring the big picture of SEL in the school community together because it's not just students or parents, but the adults and your partners as well. And I think that's where it's important because I, you know, we interact with so many other orgs and other individuals that do the same kind of programming that we do. Yeah. But the, the, the downside, I think sometimes when you see it is they come into school and let's say I was going to be doing the Phil Brown program that only Phil could do that program. And I think that's the, that's the problem is we, what we need to do probably as an industry is consider what are the things that we can teach others? What, what school, Mm -hmm. what skills are we giving them? Because that's going to spread the word of it in a much bigger way. We can only hit so many touch points if we try to do it ourselves but try to go into a school system and say, what do you need from me? Like, this is the expertise we have, but yeah. what do you need from me? Rather than saying, this is what I could do in this hour. Yeah. But then after the hour's done, where do we go from there? Exactly. And I think that's what's been good for us over the last few years is because we've been able to create a relationship. And, you know, one of the core things for, for us is connection. So if we were able to create that relationship with a client and then stay in that system for multiple years, not only what's really great for the like uh, edgy leadership teachers that go into the classrooms is they've created connections with their students now in the same way that the teachers did. So, and they've also made connections with those teachers. So that whole district is benefiting, not just from the content that we're giving, but also the connections that are formed from our educators. So that long-term pathway, I think is so important. How do we, how do we connect with the client first and foremost? Then how do we work with them? But then how, what, what's the follow up afterwards? As me as a trainer, because I, I teach, I'm, I'm all about teaching the skills. I want to make sure that I don't, my, my only touch point isn't the time I see them the one time and then I wave goodbye and fingers crossed, hope they got it. You know, like I stay with those people consistently and we yeah. build those relationships so that at any point, you know, I, I'm still having it today with everything's going on that I get clients call me up and say, Phil, give me some advice on how I can take this activity and bring it into the virtual world. Well, mm-hmm. th- those things are all important. Like how do we stay connected with each other? Is, that only is going to build our entire industry as well as the clients that we work with. Well, I, and I think that is a, a great point as well, you know, and, and I think our climate, while, you know, we hopefully we will get back to 
um, school and, and get back to normal after coronavirus and everything. But I, mm -hmm. I have been hearing about some schools considering closing all the way through December yep. already. You know, so mm -hmm. how do you feel like or in what ways can you implement um, experiential based SEL virtually? Yeah, great question. So we, we're going through that, that mode right now as a training team about looking at all the tools. And what's, what's been exciting for us, you know, there's lots of negatives at the moment, but the, the some positives is that we're getting a grasp on technology and utilizing it in ways that I think that will benefit even past this. Yeah. Um, so, you know, we've been playing around with Zoom and the ways that you can play around with Zoom and still have interaction with people's faces, still see people through the video. There's this, um, as, a, as a trainer, there's a platform called Flipgrid, which yeah. I've been enjoying because that allows you to be able to create uh, curriculums and have people report back and send in video and stay connected. What I think is really important, and we were, I was discussing this uh, with, a, with a group recently, is about owning our vulnerability around this stuff. And I think that what that does is going to be as important as the content because social emotional learning is a big part of it is role modeling behaviors that we hope people mm. were able to, mm. to see. And as the adults working with those kids, we realize that a lot of the stuff we do is role modeling. We need to be really, really key on what our emotions are and be able to advocate for them and be okay with them. So when we're in periods of frustration, I was on a webinar. Um, I led a webinar for ACA, which is the American Camping Association, um, a few weeks ago. And it was my first time doing a webinar with a large group of people. And I found it very, very awkward. But what I was able to do is I advocated for the vulnerability of it. I just was honest. And it was, it was interesting how in that moment, being able to say how vulnerable I was, how the group I was working with suddenly brought in a lot more to the stuff I was sh sharing. And I think that that's the important thing. We don't have to be experts right now. But what we do have to do is still maintain connection. And there's plenty of activities and discussions and dialogues that we can go through, that can go through uh, and, and teach stuff. There's a, there's a lot of people doing a lot of uh, great work as well, sharing resources at the moment. So yeah. a shout out to um, Michelle Cummings. Um, if you go, um, I think if you just check her out on YouTube, Michelle Cummings and, or Training Wheels, which is her organization, mm -hmm. she's been putting out there um, virtual team building activities you can do using online. And th some of that is applicable to the work that you might do, but, yeah. um, but I, what it does give you is it gives me, at least allows me to see what is possible with the current tech out there because experiential learning as a modality is all about learning through experience. So I have to be able to practice what I preach in that regard and learn through it too. Cause it, it's a struggle and I'm, I, I, a lot of sleepless nights thinking about how do we exactly accurately do what we do we're doing and try to translate into a world where we might be you know either doing it virtually or even when we get back together maybe physically distant it still mm. might not be the same as what it used to be and so you know things like high fives even as our, our our name is high five like even that as a physical act might not yeah occur you know so it's like it's a, there's a lot of lenses, unfortunately, to think about when it comes to how do we stay connected. I do a workshop um, called The Power of Play. And what in there, I talk about the, uh, the four uh, neurochemicals in our brain that gives, makes us feel joy. And those four chemicals are um, endorphins, dopamine, serotonin, and oxytocin. And oxytocin, you get from physical connection. And that is actually like high-fiving, handshakes, hugs. And what that um, uh, what oxytocin does is help 
um, bond people into trusting relationships. That's why when you go into an interview for the first time and, and someone doesn't shake your hand, you kind of have this weird, like, I don't know how I feel about this person. But if they connect physically, then there's a, a moment of a short period of trust formed. So there is concern that if we get to a certain point where we lose that ability to physically connect, how that will affect our ability to overly socially connect with each other. So there's, I know, there's, there's concerns and I, I think that we'll, we'll get through it. And, but the, the, the grass is, you know, like the, the, the silver lining, sorry, is that I think that our work, social emotional learning is going to be more important, if not, as important but more important when we get post this because i think the desire to connect we're social human beings so the desire to connect the de desire to talk about how we interact with others is going to be so important we as the educators and trainers of that world just have to be doing a lot of work to alter what we've done in the past to be able to meet our needs of our clients still but i'm, I'm optimistic Yes, sir. I, I feel like we don't really have a choice but to be optimistic and, you know, <laughs> yeah. um, we're going to learn really quick the value of the work that you and I are doing. You know, SEL mm -hmm. is, is is to learning as uh, the alphabet is to reading. So, I mean, yeah. this has to be a staple. It has to be something that we really are intentional about inputting and um, implementing with fidelity in our classrooms from now and forever. I hope this really is what gets us over the hump and let mm -hmm. all school districts realize the value of SEL. Yep. For Absolutely. sure. So tell me, Phil, where can we go if we want to know more about High Five or getting some virtual or even on-site tips? What's the best places we can go to um, talk to you? Yeah, so um, you can check out our website at uh, highfiveadventure.org, and it's the number five, so H-I-G-H, -H, as in being high, uh, the number five adventure.org. That's our website. Uh, you can email me, and I'm happy to answer any questions on adventure and experiential learning, um, at pbrown, so that's P-B-R-O-W-N, at highfiveadventure.org, all the same as the, the website. And then a couple of resources that I recommend uh, to people if they're wanting some information is one, uh, High Five does have a podcast also. Um, it's called Vert uh, a Vertical Playpen. And I happen to be the host of that. So vertical playpen. And you can see there's, a, there's resources and information on um, adventure programming in those episodes. We've got 50 episodes so far. Mm -hmm. And oh, then wow. as well, uh, there's a resource that I'm not necessarily associated with this one, but I found this to be a really helpful resource. And it's called playmeo.com. So it's P-L-A-Y-M-E-O.com. And that is a... Um, an online database of activities, games, initiative activities, problem solving, all of that kind of stuff um, into one database. It is a, um, a subscription based one, although they do offer like 25 uh, free uh, activities per month, but it's a subscription otherwise. But the real great thing I found to people like all my trainees when I teach them these stuff is that it has video. You can find tons of books out there on activities to do with your participants, but I, I, I myself struggle with reading the activity from a book and sometimes knowing what that looks like. So it's nice to see it used. So um, they have video on Playmio, which I found as a, as a really helpful resource. Yeah. So that's Playmio.com. That's great. Well, thank you so much for all the information and insights yeah. that you shared with us, all the work that you're doing. 
with mm -hmm. SEL and experiential-based learning, you're making a big difference. And I'm, I'm excited to, to continue to reach out to you and see, see if there's ways that we can work together. Maybe. Even. Oh, absolutely. Yes, sir. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for having me, Kirk Trey. Appreciate absolutely. it. Absolutely. And, and thank you for listening to the Dash podcast. Every week we feature educators just like Phil Brown who are solving problems for school communities. So you can go to TreyGamers.com right now to subscribe so you will never miss another episode. While you're there, you'll learn about my new book, Every Decision Counts, and our new coaching program, Getting Unstuck, Four Steps to Your Best You. Check out TreyGamers.com for all your info, and we will see you next time. This is The Dash.